What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Spectres, welcome back. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I'm here with N7 Legend. I'm glad you guys are tuning back in. This is episode 54, and we are here to discuss one of the best dads in the in the galaxy. And Seven, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing very well, and yeah, we I, I'd say that Anderson is probably the best dad in the uh, galaxy, the the best space dad we ever had. Um, space dad Anderson. Space Dad Anderson. That is a rank that supersedes Admiral, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're going to be following the same pattern that we started these character episodes with, which was, you know, we, we uh, spoke about Udina because Udina was the very first voice that we heard in Mass Effect. Uh, and during that conversation about evaluating Shepard for the Spectres, uh, and of course, we're watching Shepard's face, this character that we just, you know, made and fawned over as Shepard staring out the port window. Uh, I believe it's onto a planet, uh, maybe Earth. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure which planet. Uh, but and then Anderson responds to Udina. So here we are. We're going to be talking about Sp- uh, Space Dad Anderson, the second voice we ever hear in Mass Effect. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited. We've got a lot to cover as usual <laughs> like these episodes are dense so where do we start right uh well i think you know it's best to take a uh, zoomed out view and 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 say that anderson is probably you know one of the most supportive supporting characters in the original trilogy mm-hmm. uh and i i want to reiterate that just so people are uh, aware i did not trip up on my words Anderson is the most supportive supporting character in a, in the original trilogy, in my opinion. Uh, and you know, he's someone who has always been in the background of the games, you know, not always in the foreground, not always in front of the camera or even mentioned, but in terms of the lore, Anderson is always doing something. Anderson is always active, whether it's in front of the scenes or behind the scenes. And, and while doing so, Anderson serves as a mentor, the mentor to our player character, Shepard. Uh, you know, I mean, how did you feel about Anderson on your first playthrough? I feel like, um, and we've talked about, he comes up a lot in, in our show. I feel like had we gotten a version of the game that started even a decade earlier, that he could have been the main character, you know? Definitely. 110%. Right. I agree with that. And, and, and we, we still could get a version of the game. Heck, we could get a TV series that chronicles Anderson's perspective on all of the events as the main character. That would be really cool. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> like um, that would be, that would be a freaking amazing perspective on everything. You know, like this shepherd character keeps showing up in the story and, or we keep hearing about his conversations with, Shepard, who he's 
you know, giving advice to and helping guide along the path. But we're actually seeing Anderson's behind the, what what in the games are behind the scenes things that he's doing to support Shepard's mission or maybe keep Shepard safe from some of the, you know, forces behind the scenes that are trying to not necessarily do the thing that we know is the best thing for the galaxy. You know, those kinds of things. But I, I feel like Anderson would be a great focus for that kind of story. Right. Yeah. Anderson is constantly maneuvering, constantly maneuvering and often purely for Shepard's benefit. Uh, and so that's kind of what sets Anderson apart as a supporting character. And, you know, there are a lot of parallels between Anderson and Shepard, like you just mentioned. Uh, but more so than Shepard, I think Anderson is the embodiment of quiet strength. Shepard can get, you know, pretty in your face, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Anderson is more the embodiment of quiet strength and self-sacrifice. Anderson is someone who is always ready to answer the call to service, like, and happily so. Uh, he is someone who I feel always got, he, he always deserved better than what he got because he always got the short end of the stick and we can get into a little bit of that. Yeah. He's, he's the space dad. He's the, yeah. he's the one who was willing to take, take the hit so that you could get what you deserved um 100 yeah, yeah 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 so okay so what do we know about his early life more than udina i would hope yeah yeah so we know much more about um anderson's early life and that's partially thanks to the citadel dlc and anderson's interview logs in his apartment you know uh thanks to those we know considerably more we get a glimpse into anderson's psyche which is in my opinion um, you know it, it depicts the picture of a man with a life well lived and yet anderson's also a man who i think regrets the road not taken um poetic but yeah <laughs> exactly yeah i think i don't know if anderson would be a fan of robert frost um <laughs> But I, I do. I think that he is someone who has done all of these incredible things. And yet Anderson, um, there's this quiet sense of regret with him. Uh, that, and it's not, a, it's not a regret that he did something. It's a regret that he couldn't do more. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what makes him so admirable. Uh, admirable. Admirable. Oh, okay. <laughs> admirable. I mean, you can, we can't have a we can't have an episode about the best dad in the galaxy without dad jokes. So, all oh. right. No, we couldn't. Oof. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what about his family life? Like, wh where did he where did he start out? Right. So we we know uh, that Anderson was born in London, and he was born in London on June eighth, twenty one thirty seven. So here in a couple months, Anderson's birthday is coming up. Maybe I should reach out to Keith David. <laughs> hey, man, you've got some, you got a good track record here with the, some of the voice actors. So why not? Why not keep pushing? Yeah, you know, I think his, uh, I think Keith David's handle on social media is something like Silver Throat or something like that. <laughs> uh, I'm wondering if Golden Throat was taken. Maybe, um, maybe. Or maybe somebody, maybe he feels like somebody else deserves that title. So he's being humble or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you know, I have a nice voice, but it's not the best voice. Uh, I don't know. I, I think he has the best. Um, but Anderson's mom, we actually know Anderson's mom's name. It was Ursula. 
and we know Anderson's father's name, which was Paul. Ursula was a nurse, and Paul was a flight mechanic. Paul was a skater boy. She said, see you later, Paul. Jeez. All right. And I'm the one with the bad jokes. Oh, yeah. Trust me. I'm taking that mantle today. We should have a little uh, award we hand back and forth based on an audience vote. Like, all right, who gets the uh, bad joke award this week? It's like a bastardized version of the uh, Mass Effect Medal of Valor. You know? uh-huh, right. Um, yeah. It's just it's a so, cr- like a cringe face. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not enjoying the jokes, but keep them coming. Um, <laughs> yes. So we know that much about Anderson's very early life. Uh, and it sounds like, you know, given the jobs that his parents worked, that he was born to a middle class family uh, in London. And so given that, you know, when we return to Mass Effect 3, it must have a very very heavy weight on on anderson's shoulders because we're going back to earth and of course it's in london Mm -hmm. uh that's where a large part of it takes place we'll talk a a little bit more about that later but much before that in anderson's early life he was still a badass and uh before we ever met him and knew him as our commanding officer in mass effect one anderson was the uh the ideal badass he is described in the lore as having incredible fitness scores. Uh, and I'm talking about early 20s. Like when Anderson was in his, in his early 20s, when he was a young, you know, sol- or young soldier, Marine, Mass Effect uses them interchangeably. Uh, when he had incredible fitness scores, leadership potential through the roof, given his evaluations and training, he was known for having a sharp uh, tactical mind. And always, always a can-do attitude. But all of this was wrapped in a very stoic demeanor. So he wasn't, you know, boastful. He mm-hmm. would just do it. And that's, he was impressive because you could see him do it. He didn't need to tell you about it. <laughs> yeah, show, not tell. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, so in many ways, he was the ideal soldier. You know, that's, he, I'm sure the writers, when they were forming his character, started with we need someone who is the ideal soldier mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. someone who is the uh in, in many ways anderson is captain america right i mean captain very britain, similar but yeah sure Ca- yeah captain britain um <laughs> very similar qualities there um and anderson is also the first in seven graduate from the program right. so so this is something that we know because of Shepard, what in what M7s are. Shepard, of course, sports it on Shepard's armor. Um, and Anderson is the very first one who graduates from this special forces program. And immediately upon graduation, and when I say immediately, I mean like as soon as you know you walk across the stage you get your you know turn your tassel you get your diploma like i'm not sure if all of those ceremonies were observed during uh anderson's graduation from in seven school but as soon as he graduated he was greeted by none other than john grissom and john grissom the writer kind of a big deal <laughs> the author <laughs> wait is his name john grissom no I, no it's uh, it was something grissom yeah it was something the guy writes the uh never mind <laughs> go is on it josh josh <laughs> uh oh man now this is gonna plague me don't commit to a joke unless you understand the full details of the joke 
Yeah. John, yeah. John Grisham? In Seven Legends Grisham? will hound you about it. Gr- Grisham? John Grisham. That's John what it is. Grisham. Yeah. That's mm, it very close. That's, that's what it is. It's very close. It is very close. It's very close. Um, it's an H-N instead of just an N, right? J-O-H-N instead of J-O-N. And it's Grisham mm. instead of Grissom. Yeah. Um, so close, I see everyone. some some comments in chat evaluating John Grisham's writing, and yeah. I don't really want to get a cease and desist from him. So, <laughs> so we're not going to say what you're saying about him. Major moves. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll leave that one off. Mm-hmm. Um, but about John Grisham, John Grisham is kind of a big deal in the Mass Effect universe because I'm not sure if, if some of our listeners know, some may may not have listened back to these very few, very few first episodes that we had. Uh, but John Grissom was the human being who led the science teams and all of our exploratory uh, like manned missions through the arc, uh, through the Charon relay. The very first person. They didn't know what was on the other side of that because every time they had sent probes and whatnot through those they lost contact immediately so very scary mission can you imagine having that job i mean exciting hey john uh we got a job for you what is it sir uh you know those probes we've been sending through that relay the one uh, so yes sir the ones that uh don't come back and don't seem to send back any information yeah those yeah those are the probes john uh we need a man to do the job uh, what job is that, sir? To go through and disappear and not send back information. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta know. We gotta know what's on the other side. Uh, sorry, John. <laughs> sorry, 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 John. But we need a man to do that job. Yeah. <laughs> funny. It'd be funny if he was voluntold to do that. Ugh. Um Yeah. Although, from what we know in the lore, uh, John Grissom was noted as being extraordinarily enthusiastic about it. Like... John Grissom was another one of these Alliance heroes that took the mantle of responsibility upon himself and uh, said that, you know, I, I who will, you know, who will go but me? Something along those lines. Um, mm. And so Grissom goes and Grissom becomes a legend. Um, but shortly thereafter, Grissom talks to Anderson and says, guess what? We just made contact with an unknown alien race. And... Uh, it doesn't look like they're friendly. So this is how Anderson finds out about the Turians. They this these, is Anderson's they weird beaks. I don't think anybody should try to kiss them. Yeah, we, already our women have a weird attraction to them. It's bizarre. Yeah, strange, strange. All the ladies are getting all hot and bothered. There's one of them named Archangel that I heard is kind of a badass. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Keep no. the women away, Anderson. Keep the ladies away. They're gonna steal all our women. <laughs> Of course, um, of course, Archangel, a.k.a. Garrus, was not involved uh, at that point. But uh, this doesn't stop Anderson from signing up willy-nilly and just saying, yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Got to protect our women. And right. And, and we need to understand that at this point, humanity knows very little about these mysterious aliens, right? Um, save for that they are much more technologically advanced than us. And they're not friendly and yet anderson charges into this fight head on asking questions later i so hope this is what the tv show is about me too oh my god there's so much exposition here they could do it so well this needs to be the first episode grisham becomes they they need to come back through 
And Anderson needs to be there as like one of the members of the squad welcoming Grissom back. And they need to have like a debrief and Grissom needs to be like, they need to be like, Grissom, tell, tell the squad what you, what you encountered. And they need to, he needs to pull up like a, like a, uh, well, it wouldn't be like a projector. It would be like a, like, like a three dimensional, like Mm -hmm. hollow screen or something. And and they're going to be, he's going to be like, yes, yes, ma'am. We came across alien life forms and then you're gonna see like freaking like technology that no humans have seen and everyone's gonna go what and then they're they're gonna go we're sending you into battle and then it's gonna like clip forward to anderson going like leading a squad through like and like that's gonna be the first episode is gonna be like oh my god hologram that's the word major moose and they could they could totally do that because they have all the exposition of this conflict set up and we know that Anderson served in the first contact war right? with di- with distinction, might I add, but we don't really know how much and exactly what Anderson did. Right. But, but we get, know that- imagine imagine a, um, a D-Day landing style montage of Anderson in the first contact war. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking? Like a Saving Private Ryan kind of first 15 minutes of the first episode of like, like Grissom comes back, fills everybody in. They get sent through the mass relay. They ambush the enemy. The enemy doesn't see them coming. But now, of course, they're the aggressors, you know, like then they're dealing with like weapons they've never seen before. And then a bunch of people get killed. And then now they're dealing with the ramifications of that enter exposition other characters mm. show starts well there are there are there are a number of years after uh between when grissom you know goes through that uh relay and has that mission and then becomes that legend and then they they build arcturus station and so there's a number of years that transpire uh between grissom's expedition and anderson's graduation uh but uh it could certainly work regardless because you know with with unique uh montages and and film tricks they could they could make that that mm-hmm. sense of urgency pick up anyway oh yeah and you could you could cut through and then you could have him later say you know like it, it was you know there was some time between when we when we learned this and when i went through the relay but but it was one hell of a fight you know and like you could have like the narration describe some of the differences and you know whatever um and we still weren't we we thought we were ready with you know two years of training and blah 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 but we weren't ready for what we saw when we get the other side you know i lost some of my best men that day blah 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 blah. yeah 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 lost twenty thousand men in the blink of an eye yeah (laughs) right like like the yeah we thought we were ready for the turian's weapons we had no idea (laughs) yeah yeah something dramatic um In, in terms of that, uh, that, that first contact war, like I said, we don't really know Anderson's involvement and the extent of his heroics is unclear. Uh, because, and I think they've left, left that intentionally vague because they wanted to leave themselves some room to do something with that in the future. But we do know that Anderson is referred to as one of the quote, most decorated special forces operatives in the Alliance after that. Well, he was a badass. So, Whatever he did was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be like vaulting over things. He's going to be like, like 360 no scope and fools. He's going to be like yeah. dragging, dragging buddies off the battlefield when they're wounded and like getting them to medics and saying, I got you, Polly. Don't go, don't go, don't bleed out of me. Stay awake, Polly. I got you. I got you, buddy. 
I'm, I'm, but I gotta get back in there, man. I gotta, don't, here. The medic's got you. I'm going back in. <laughs> don't bleed out of me, Polly! Ah! That's listen how that here, scene is going to go. Son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> listen don't here, be you, a hero. you, you yeah. beak brain son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Waste those motherfuckers. Right. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. So <laughs> not it Polly. Major moves. It should come as no surprise that Anderson actually had a shot at the Spectres before Shepard did. Uh, because Shepard, uh, because Anderson, of course, was one of the most decorated special forces operatives in the Alliance and the first graduate of the N7 program. But as we know, Anderson lost that opportunity thanks to none other than Saren Arterius. Freaking Saren. Yeah, freaking Saren. The uh, Turian Spectre who uh, dogs Shepard too. Um, and, and basically this, this saga of Anderson and and, and Shepard's, uh, or I'm sorry, Anderson and Saren's run-ins, uh, is, the, is the subject of a book that I have brought up many times by now, the Mass Effect Revelations novel. Uh, and so we will cover these books, you know, in, in depth at some point in the future when we have a sub-series of episodes on the external media. But for now, uh, it is necessary to kind of just give a brief rundown to understand Anderson's background. So basically, when Anderson was 28 years old, he was a lieutenant and an XO, also known as an executive officer, aboard a frigate named the SSV Hastings. And yet, at the same time, around the same time even this war hero cannot save his failing marriage so he receives divorce documents over the extranet which is the mass effect internet yeah uh, it's thousands just of bigger. light years so it's away from his his estranged now ex-wife uh and so this is after after the first contact war and while in the throes of depression. Anderson is told of two top secret leads that will change the course of Anderson's life. And and by the way, if if listeners find this uh, this next part a little bit familiar, that's because I did talk about this on a separate <laughs> podcast uh with Tom. And uh good 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 show. Uh Pixel People go check it out. But regardless, uh he finds out about two missions that will change his life. One, that humanity was illegally conducting artificial intelligence research. And two, the facility where it was happening was attacked and they had help from an insider. The insider turned out to be a human scientist gone rogue. And so, uh, and enlisted the help of Batarian mercenaries to kind of fund his own research under his own terms. Uh, so, and, and they attacked this facility, the facility everyone was killed. Uh, but Anderson's mission is to investigate who's responsible and to keep the intelligence from alien eyes, because this is highly, highly taboo at this time. You know, humanity just entered the galactic society and already they could be breaking Citadel law by researching artificial intelligence. That's not good. No, not good at all. Um, and so. Anderson responds to a distress call from an Alliance research facility, which turns into a mission to find that rogue Alliance scientist who became obsessed with an unknown alien artifact. The Citadel, meanwhile, 
they tasked their top specter, Saren Arterius, with looking into this matter, and eventually a key witness from the investigation into the Alliance facility is taken hostage by the Batarian mercenary group who I mentioned, and who is hired to protect the rogue scientist. Someone, this is someone who Anderson know, or grows pretty fond of during the course of Anderson's investigation. It's none other than Collie Sanders. And this Collie uh, Sanders also happens to be the daughter of John Grissom. So, interesting crossroads here, right? Um, at the time, the human ambassador was named Anita Goyle. And Anita Goyle asks the council to let Anderson go with Saren both so he can help play cover your ass for the alliance uh to gather that intel and you know kind of keep it hush hush away from in, from alien eyes um and recovering the files that the scientist had but also rather selfishly so that he can rescue sanders uh we later find out that the unknown alien artifact that the scientist was researching was none other than part of sovereign the reaper mm-hmm so, uh, and, and, you know, Saren had his own motivations for trying to get the rogue scientists files first before Anderson could. So when Anderson gets to this manufacturing facility where the rogue scientist is hiding and where Sanders is being held, Anderson finds that Saren has blown the whole place up and has killed tons of innocent workers in the process. Anderson, again, charges in headfirst asks questions later but goes after sanders to rescue sanders and after the mission by the way saren obtains the files because anderson had to make that critical choice do i go after the bad guy do i get the files or do i go after the damsel in distress you know what i mean yeah and so anderson rescues sanders saren meanwhile tracks down the bad guy after having uh, you know, recklessly created this distraction by blowing up the facility. And he asks the head, the head of the mercenary group, you know, do we need this rogue scientist anymore? No. Pal blows his fucking brains out and takes the files. And Saren just kind of, you know, dusts his hands off and leaves and blames the entire, all of the collateral damage, all of the innocent lives lost. Yeah, he blames that on Anderson. In his report to the Citadel, he basically says that Anderson was careless, and because of Anderson's behavior, I was forced to make a distraction. Freaking Saren. I know. I know. What are you doing, Saren? Being a, being a butt. Yeah, that's right. Being a butt. Well, that was a, that was a good wrap-up. I think more people need to read these books. But we've got a mid-break to get to. And then we'll be back to talk more about how Anderson's story continues. So stay tuned. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, a 
anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. All right. Welcome to the middle of the show. We've got some new patrons to welcome as well. And uh, so big shout out to Joshua L and Commander Shanko for signing up on the Patreon. And um, Commander Shanko actually is a brand new shepherd tier patron, tier five. So that means, Commander Shanko, you get a shout out every week. So this will be your first shout out of hopefully many, along with... Um, we've got, uh, who the fool, mighty Talos, Apollo and pipe man. Holy crap. One, two, three, four, five commander shepherds. That's too many shepherds. How many shepherds does it take to change a light bulb? Well, I guess five. That's not a very good joke, but thank you to everybody who helps support the show. All 45 of you guys. This is amazing. Thank you so so much for your support. And if we've helped you get through your work day, your workout, your commute, or, Gotta think fast. Saving innocent lives and then getting screwed over by Saren. Then go to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast and check out all the different tiers, which you can get things like ad-free episodes or t-shirts or stickers or join us on a future episode of the show. And um, we also have a new review to read out. This one came in from Person Who Is Disappointed. And ironically, they don't sound disappointed because they wrote, get this. Oh, wait, no, this is this isn't for this show. <laughs> this is for a different show because I didn't filter. I didn't filter it. Uh, I could read an, uh, a review from a different show. Should I read? Should I read the one star review, Sam? I don't know. <laughs> we did get a one star <laughs> review. Maybe I won't read that one. Uh, we, somebody doesn't think I'm funny. So that's fun. Uh, they probably aren't going to hear me read this because that means they're not listening anymore. But um, if, if you'd like to leave us a five star review with a bunch of words, then we will read it out on a future episode of the show. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. Whether you listen on Apple Podcasts or you just have an Apple, Apple account, you can leave those there. Or you can go to Spotify and leave us a five star rating. Both of those help and they help let people know that, hey, this is a good show. You should check it out. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for everybody taking the time to do that. It, it absolutely helps to support the show or even just telling your friends to go listen to the show. That helps a ton. Um, we really appreciate it. So that's what we got for the middle of this episode. Let's get on with the rest of the show. Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. 
Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. And it's a good thing I realized that was wasn't for this show because uh, that would have been really awkward when I got all the way down to the end of the review and I was like, wait a minute. That's not this show. That's the problem when you use one website to aggregate all the reviews for all the different shows you do. And then you forget to filter. I was going to say, I didn't think that we had a new review that was five stars, but I was just going <laughs> to let you go with it. Sometimes they come in from like other places on like the aggregator, like can see them from different locations. Like the last one we got was from Great Britain. So if you log in in the United States into Apple, you wouldn't see the ones from like other countries. So that's why I use this other program. But anyway, um, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's move on with some Anderson talk. So last week we talked about how how he was uh, once again given the shaft because of the political fallout from how things ended with Saren. And I mean, it seems like it seems like this is kind of like a running thing. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, and this is why I said that Anderson always, uh, you know, he deserved better than he got. And it's ultimately because of Saren's report on the mission with them that he has denied entry into the Spectres. And, you know, there's understandably bad blood that lingers forever between them after that. Um, and in the scene in Mass Effect 1, where Shepard brings the evidence from Eden Prime to the Council, Saren implies that it's because of Anderson's personal resentment from that mission that colors his feelings which ultimately leads to Anderson once again being canned. He is effectively forced into stepping down from command of the Normandy. And it's all because you can all draw, you can draw a line directly back to that mission where Saren Saren like basically fucks over Anderson's career and then gaslights the shit out of him. Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I would be livid if I were Anderson. Um, and and then, like, you know, gaslights him and then, and then manages to, like, you know, hamstring his career yet again. Uh, so, Shepard does bring forth sketchy evidence, you know, from a beacon and saying I had a vision. Mm -hmm. And, well, the beacon's destroyed. Oh, well, that's Saren's fault, you know we can go back and forth over whether whether or not people would find that credible um but regardless anderson knows the truth oh and yeah and shepherd knows the truth yeah i feel like and i feel like next to udina saren is the next one that should have gotten punched <laughs> oh 100 percent. there needed to be more of a disrespect thing uh -huh. when you finally fought uh saren uh or at least the option right right but can you imagine how how anderson feels after all of this, and then Saren, you know, by now his arch nemesis, ending up at leading an attack on the Citadel, mm -hmm. and then the and the very council that uplifted him and believed Saren's report, right? So like, how does Anderson feel after all this shit, and and then Saren is the one that's going to be the death of them, right? Right. How do you not say like, told you so? I told you so. I freaking yeah. told you so. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you would, how you would get around that. Uh, but Anderson, Anderson swallows his pride and yet again, encourages Shepard just to do the right thing left and right. You know, so I, I bring, I bring this up because like I said, Anderson is a guy who just gets beaten down by life. 
his future looked so promising. You know, he graduated the top of his class. He gave every ounce of blood, sweat, and tears to the Alliance. And, uh, you know, became the first in seven graduate. Praised through all of his evaluations. And yet, life has other plans. Life becomes relentless for Anderson. In a very short period of time, relatively. But Anderson is, you know, he's a guy who is, it seems, only wants to do the right thing. And Anderson is willing to sacrifice personal comfort to do so. And that's probably one of the many reasons his marriage dissolves. Because he's just constantly putting the world on his shoulders. Many worlds on his shoulders, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Time and time again, you know, Anderson is given the short end of the stick. His marriage fails. His entry into the specters is rejected. And he's set up to embarrass humanity on a galactic level. And that, that all happens before Mass Effect 1. <laughs> right, right. And then Mass Effect 1 comes along and he loses the Normandy. Yeah. I can imagine a, a situation, just real quick, between like him and his ex-wife, but, but like wife at the time. Um, and here I am just like planning out like like flashbacks for the show or something. But where they're, they're having some sort of argument. And he's like, I'm sorry, I've, I've got to ship off again. And she's and she's like, ah, you always do this. And he's like, what do you mean I always do this? And she's like, you always put me second. And he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, is it me or is it or is it them? And he's like, well, what do you what do you mean? You know, I love you. And she's like, listen, you never put me first. You always put the you always put the galaxy or you always put the military or you always put some, whatever you think is the right thing and i know and i know you're a good guy and i know you're you're doing what you believe but can't i just be first one of these times you know like I, I can imagine one of those arguments you know like can't you just love me put me first one of these times like one of those kinds of things and it's, yeah. it's like one of those like rock and hard place things where it's just like ugh. You know, like where he, he understands the importance of the things he's doing because ultimately there's lives on his shoulders. Yeah, but good luck explaining that to a uh, to, to your a partner, to your spouse. You know, hey, sorry, there are people and duties that are more important objectively than your feelings. Right. Right. But like, <laughs> that's not going to fly. But yeah, but like this life is on your shoulders too. Like this is the only life we have. Why don't you love me? Like my happiness is on your shoulders and yeah. I'm right here. You know, like you might be saving people out there, but what about me right now? It like, would be heartbreaking. Yeah. 100%. I can like, uh, th- those are the kinds of like, those are the kinds of like, I don't know, really good dramatic moments that yes like like there's just I mean, we all know that the right quote unquote right answer in the end ends up being we'll save the freaking universe but it doesn't mean that it doesn't come with some personal cost right no one ever said it was going to be easy yeah absolutely and i think absolutely. i think that'd be a good tagline for this entire game yeah right because this entire game is built on hard choices oh yeah absolutely and, absolutely and in that way uh you know anderson Anderson uh, blazed the trail, you know, Um, that's why I said that there's a level of, there's a level of um, regret Mm -hmm. that Anderson carries, I think. And it's that he couldn't do more. He couldn't be more for everyone who needed him. Yeah. And so it's heartbreaking, um, I think. 
and that's you know that's my inference reading between the lines um but yeah uh, a large part of anderson's story reminds me of i dreamed a dream from les miserables yeah you've talked about les mis before except he you know of course achieved much greater success in the grand scheme of things but like we said it didn't come without cost and as i was saying about choices in the game anderson is a proto shepherd anderson is very much the proto shepherd character of the alliance and i say this because you know i've thought about it and there's a few key reasons and when you read when you read mass effect revelation i think it becomes very evident to anyone uh, who's a fan of the series so let's go through the reasons number one anderson in seven the very first in seven incredibly promising future Shepard, of course, and N7 with an incredibly promising future, no matter what background you picked for for Shepard. At 28 years old, Anderson, while an XO of an Alliance frigate, responds to a distress signal from a human facility, which turns out to be a part of a much bigger mission. Now, if I did not say Anderson's name there, would you have known who I was talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. At 28 or 29, I can't remember which one, Shepard is an XO of an Alliance scout frigate, the SSV Normandy. Right. When you respond to a distress signal from a human colony, Eden Prime, and that part, that turns out to be part of a much bigger mission. Right. So already some very strange coincidences. Um, number three. Anderson's crew, while on that rescue mission, some of the crew is eerily similar to Shepard's crew from Mass Effect 1. There's Gunnery Chief Jill Da. Okay, Gunnery Chief, really? This already sounds like Ashley Williams. Gunnery Chief Jill Da, who is described as a no-nonsense, rock'em, sock'em, tomboyish marine. She's six foot three and doesn't take shit from anyone. And... (laughs) She sounds like Ashley Williams, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so already we have one more, right? Another reason. Anderson is tasked with a top secret mission from the human ambassador, which also serves as a launch pad for an evaluation into the Spectres. Sounds just like the beginning of Mass Effect 1 for Shepard, doesn't it? Yeah. And he's evaluated by a Turian. <laughs> right. So Anderson is, of course, evaluated by uh, Saren and Shepard was evaluated by Nihilus. So and, and the similarities don't stop. They, they, they start to diverge there, rather, um, with Shepard, of course, getting inducted into the Spectres and being allowed to remain humanity's poster child. Mm-hmm. But that's not how it goes for Anderson. Right. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so. I think with everything that Anderson goes through, every disappointment here, every heartbreak there, his experience sets him up perfectly to be this scorned villain, or at the very least, an angry and bitter old man shouting, you know, something at Shepard along the lines of, it should have been me. I, I would understand that if that's the direction that the writers chose to take with Anderson it would be believable uh, because people have egos but that's not where they go with Anderson that's not who Anderson is 
and it's not how he defines himself. Instead, um, when Shepard is granted the distinction of becoming humanity's first specter, Anderson accepts that forced early retirement, hands over the Normandy, and kind of just takes a step back. He could have become belligerent, you know, he could have fought the political winds tooth and nail, but he recognizing he recognizes this losing fight and he chooses to suspend his ego. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just kind of an aside here. I, I feel like, uh, a lot of stories we don't get the, uh, like you're saying the character who takes the high road in these situations, the person with humility, because a lot of times, and maybe this is a more modern writing contrivance the people or, or writers think that the audience won't think <clears throat> that that character is realistic. Um, but if you, if you watch, uh, documentaries about things like world war two, you find that there are people like this and they do exist. And like an Anderson, somebody with humility who, who continues and takes the high road and is humble is pretty common. We're not super common, but they, they do occur. Yeah. And, and it, to include them in stories, especially like this is very appropriate. Yeah. They, they, um, and, and there's a reason that we hold those people up as heroes. Yeah. You know, because they're rare. Right. But like oftentimes they are absolutely crucial to succeeding in the worst of situations because oh, without, 100%. without the sacrifices of those actual heroes, there would be no light at the end of the tunnel. The, the situation would have fallen apart. It's, it's those sacrifices by those people who, who did the right thing in the end, even though it, it found them no glory that truly holds everything together, you know? Right. Right. So, um, I may have derailed us in our conversation. I don't know. I don't know where you want to go next. <laughs> no, well, that, that's fine. I was just, I was talking about how, you know, Anderson could have become bitter, right? He could yeah. have become belligerent, yeah. but he, he chooses to, to suspend and, and swallow his ego anyway. Right. Yeah. So, um, you think he sees that, uh, Shepard has greater potential here? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, if he, if he is that, that person that always fights for what's right, and takes it upon himself that's why he would give up leading the investigation into the turian who killed so many people and crushed his own hopes and dreams of becoming a specter mm -hmm. because he sees shepherd as an even greater potential to help people and i think that anderson sees shepherd i think anderson sees in shepherd the fight for what's right that that part of himself and there's like a commonality think, there between yeah them. yeah yeah and i think um anderson sees in shepherd the ability to do what he could not yeah that makes sense that makes sense yeah so while anderson yet again bites that bullet and he he still picks himself up by the bootstraps and he dusts himself off you know um and he looks for this next mission because his sense of duty just doesn't doesn't let him quit um, which is exactly why if you choose to appoint him as counselor in Mass Effect, uh, at the end of Mass Effect 1, then he ends up stepping down anyway to follow a lead 
a lead which is all about hunting down Cerberus, who Sanders had contacted him about and was is was deathly afraid of, uh, because it turned out that they had infiltrated a, a project called the Ascension Project. That's excuse me that Sanders was working on. Uh, and this is the subject of the following Mass Effect books after Mass Effect Revelation. They take place after Mass Effect 1. Uh, and remember I mentioned that there were a trilogy. Well, these are the sequels after that first one, uh, Mass Effect Ascension and Mass Effect Retribution, I think. I think that's the name of the third one. Anderson comes into play here because after the events of Mass Effect 2, like I said, he receives that message and he knows that he has to do something to help strike back against Cerberus, who had, by the way, just recently led a strike against none other than the Corian's migrant fleet. So Cerberus had led a strike against one of the Corian ships, which is kind of like, you know, they're nomadic and they don't have a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how much of a douche do you have to be to do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of a large one yeah Um, (laughs) yes (laughs) and (laughs) and so anderson knows that it's politically sensitive um anderson approaches the turian ambassador at the time and the books do a very good job of of making it vague what anderson's exact title is because you know it's up to you uh so they have to plan for both and anderson approaches this turian ambassador and authorizes an all turian strike force to hit Cerberus facilities in Alliance space, which is, you know, if you're thinking in political terms, that's a what Udina would call a political shitstorm. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a shitstorm. Um, and I don't think that Anderson cares because Anderson hates being a politician. Mm-hmm. Anderson doesn't. Anderson's going to want to do what's right. And he knows that Cerberus is, you know, at this point, Anderson knows what happened to Admiral Kahoku. Anderson is well aware what kind of extremist organization Cerberus is. And now they're going after Sanders? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you picked the wrong person, right? Yeah. Um, yeah but it's much, it's much larger than that. It's much larger than just Anderson's personal feelings about Sanders. I'm, I'm summarizing this for the sake of brevity. Sure. Um, so, point is, Anderson is sick of his role. And he's aware that these actions may have cost him his job anyway. Um, so that being said, he just chooses to resign. And like I said, they don't mention his exact title. So if you, you, if you appointed him as counselor, he resigns as counselor. And if he, if you appointed him as, you know, special assistant to Adina, he resigns in that post as well, uh, because he accompanies Sanders to a Cerberus facility. And we can talk more about the subject of that book and the context when we review them specifically in episodes dedicated to the external media. Yeah. Cool. So, man, I didn't realize he had so many things going on when Shepard was doing his own missions, but I'm sure he had to stay busy doing something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, The two are eerily similar, but ultimately their fates intertwine, you know, at key moments. They go in and out. And I'm not sure that Shepard would have had the opportunities that he or she does without Anderson. Yeah. That's super cool. So... That brings us to the end of this episode. And just a reminder, we've been doing two episodes every week and we're a little bit late this week. My my brain decided to try to kill me 
uh, earlier in the week. So we pushed this one back. If you're listening to the episode and wondering, why didn't this come out earlier? But we are going to, if you're watching the live show, roll this right into recording the next episode. And if you're listening, the next episode will come out in the next few days. But uh, where are we going on the next one? So on the next episode, we are going to dive into the whole father-child space-dad dynamic between Shepard and Anderson, and we're going to have a refrain from a high-profile guest that once came on the show. Yeah, awesome. So what else do you have going on before we head out? You know, I'm streaming, like I said. I have just put up some fantastic Mass Effect-themed about panels on my Twitch, oh. and I'm, I'm kind of psyched about them. Um, if you want to catch any of my Mass Effect streams or any of my other streams, you can find me on Twitch at In7TheLegend. And special shout-out to the amazing graphical wizard who made those Mass Effect-themed about panels. That would be Sunrise Parabellum on, on Twitch. And uh, I am streaming Mass Effect every Saturday. And sometimes I have a bonus Mass Effect stream every week. So if you want to catch those, give me a follow there. Uh, if you want to connect with me on Twitter, uh, that's at In7TheLegend as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, all of the Robots Radio shows are at robotsradio.net. And uh, I'm actually wearing a Star Wars shirt because we have a new show who's a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. It's one of our um, regular patrons patrons on a lot of our shows. Uh, ben of Tamaria is joining together with uh, Teacup, who uh, Teacup does a few of the shows on the network, including the Dragon Age Lorecast and the Assassin's Creed Lorecast, and the two of them have gotten together to talk about Star Wars. And the Star Wars show is called, uh, let me get this right, um, a Holocron Histories, a Star Wars Legends or a Canon versus Legends podcast. Um, and they talk about the difference between the two different uh, variations on canon between the original canon and of course the new revised canon for star wars so super cool stuff and of course you can find links to that on the uh robustradio.net or just search it on your podcatcher if you're interested in star wars and so there's all sorts of different cool stuff robustradio.net you can find my shows and of course all of my live streams happen on the robots radio channels on twitch and youtube and facebook and uh the other big news is that the um, Lord of the Rings lore cast is all the way up to episode six already. We've got, we're talking about the creation of the dwarves this week and that's out. Um, I've been having a blast with that podcast and talking about Tolkien's world and all the other cool stuff. So that's what I got going on, but, um, we'll see you guys just on the next episode, which should be really quick <laughs> if you're in the live show. So don't go anywhere or, uh, we'll see you in uh, pretty soon. <laughs> if you're listening to the audio version. All right. See you next time. Thanks for tuning into the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at Mass Effect Lorecast at gmail.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.